Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing four weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse Code and Crown, as well as four event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals, Dumb Scum and Villainy, The Mythos Mysteries, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town the Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please... Join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merch dice today. Welcome back to Dum Dums and Dragons, where improvisers who've never role-played before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I am the Grand Wizard Bukake, your host. Our heroes, their prisoner, and their guest are traveling to Quintown. Juniper was forced to carry out her first execution as Chief Justice. Butthole determined that Crendon could be rehabilitated. And Quinny discovered he has a teenage daughter who he'd unknowingly abandoned. Can our heroes get the food they need, escape the Greywater Legion, and can Quinny connect with his daughter? Find out next on Dom Doms and Dragons! You find yourselves on the road to Quinton. Uh, with you, you have uh, your, your captured companion, Crendon, the werewolf, uh, one of the fries, <coughs> and... You have Ginny Brownbarrow, uh, Quinny's daughter. Um, the five of you and Goblin Jr. Um, are making your way uh, to Cornucopia, um, Quinny's hometown, uh, which seemingly has been rebranded um, after his his death uh, to reflect his heroic status as a uh, watch captain of uh, Waterdeep, uh, his most famous of all roles. Um. You're making your way through the fertile fields, and uh, you're certainly you can see zombies kind of at distance. But generally speaking, taking your time or sending Quinny up ahead, you're kind of able to dispatch them with relative ease along the way. Um, you can see um, some farms uh, that have been burned, uh, some farms that have been abandoned. Um, but uh, according to 
Ginny, at least, who admittedly hasn't been around town much lately, but um, last she was there, um, uh, Quentin remained um, sort of well hidden. That's largely thanks uh, to something called the Dunsinane Barrier. Uh, she explains that the farmers early on um, realized that, uh, uh, as she put it, uh, this walking dead bullshit wasn't going to be over tomorrow night. Uh, they banded together uh, to find a way to kind of try and keep uh, the cornucopia safe. And as a result, they erected a barrier um, of essentially like a, think a fence made of forest. Uh, so they made kind of a, a several tree deep fence layer to kind of um, hide um, cornucopia from the outside world a little bit. It's easy enough to, you know, sort out if you're not the walking dead, but if you're a zombie, not, uh, not the most obvious place. So Quinny with this, your um, some of the anxiety you'd been feeling at least um, abates uh, largely because it wasn't just, we got real lucky just sitting at home and the zombies never came. Um, they've at least taken some active steps. Uh, to prevent being overrun. Um, you'll arrive at the Dunsinane Barrier soon, um, and already you're seeing the familiar sights of home. Uh, is there anything uh, all of you would be discussing or that you'd want to sort out before you arrive? So what's the story that everybody thinks is true about you, Quinny? And are we trying to correct this or are we trying to play along? This is very emotionally complicated for you and kind of whatever for me. So what do you need? Well, it's actually potentially a diplomatic nightmare for you, given that we are about to ask a huge favor of these people. Um, so I don't know if telling them the truth would be better or worse, um, it's been, he like looks at Ginny. <laughs> it's like, it's been about 13 or 14 years uh, since I've been away. Um, and it's been about, what, how many, how many years since I was declared dead? Probably, I think at this point, probably around two, I think, yeah, two following our right. chronology. Two, okay. Yeah. So, Ginny, how would how would everybody in town feel if they heard that Quinny hadn't died at Waterdeep, but died somewhere else equally important and still saved the world and hell and arguably heaven? I mean, they already really like him, so that's probably cool. Um, but you got to remember, it's a small place, and and they don't understand big, big, scary things. So it might be too much. Something like. He was a really good town guard, and he died guarding a really good town. I think that they can understand. But heaven and hell... Uh... I mean, I died saving my friend. I caught a blade for him, and the blade exploded. Wow. And that friend yeah. was me, which is why we found a way to fight into hell and bring him back. That's, Didn't know um... the blade was going to explode, full disclosure. Thought that was... Uh... Yeah, I didn't know Blades could do that. I didn't either until I was blown up by one. So damn cool. I wasn't there, <clears throat> but I've helped in other ways. Yeah, uh, totally. Juniper, do, do we not tell you that enough? Like, you're great. <laughs> oh, it, well, yeah, I know. Okay. It's just sometimes, okay. you know, all this stuff yeah, happened no, yeah. before I came and it's like. Well, yeah, no, the, the, yeah. the Juniper days have been since. great days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is just very truncated because we're dealing with Quinny's death, which you just had. No, I, I. I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So 
Yeah, he's, at this point, Quinny is like best friends with a king, uh, and we're going to overthrow all the necromancers and kill them. That's our plan. That's why we're traveling around, is to put together a team so that we can do that, because this zombie thing sucks. Yeah, yeah. If the scope needs to be narrowed, we're stopping the people that did this, and like, Quinny just gestures at everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they'll, they'll understand. I mean, they're not stupid. It's just a, a more I, abstract concept, you know, when you start talking about yeah, metaphysical dimension like- shit. Well, yeah, all right, granted, but it sounds also like Avalon Riker lied, I guess, just to keep certain secrets safe. I don't know. He kind of did it generously, so he didn't just disappear. Yeah, I yeah, guess so. that was that was the vibe. He he told a a long story. I mean, your parents they had a hard time with it. Like yeah, uh, Grammy and Gramps, like they they felt real real bad. But he explained that you were a hero and that you you'd done something really heroic. I guess he was actually just talking about that exploding blade thing, but he made it sound like you'd you'd uh, you know died saving the town. So I don't know. I, I think you just need to explain why you're back in a way that won't make all their heads hurt. You know, it's going to be a lot already. Okay, yeah. we can do that. That's doable. Uh, Quinny, did you have any rivals or anybody who hated you that we need to worry about? I'm imagining no, because everyone apparently loves you. Is this correct? I mean, no, like, major blood feuds or anything like that. Okay, cool. Then we got two jobs. One, we got to make sure that this works. And two, we got to keep an eye out for the fries, because if they're coming after us or Ginny or or you, Quinny, well, we don't really need any blowback affecting these very nice people. I'm betting... Raquel isn't a big fan of man of mine. Yeah, that's a safe statement. Um, but I mean, who's look, Raquel? Oh, sorry, that's that's my uh, that's my my mom, uh, my stepmom. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. See, I would have thought she'd be grateful because because what? Uh, because I'm back because I broke the heart of her her wife. N- no, but I mean, if you'd. St- Stayed, then then maybe she wouldn't I don't know. Uh Ginny is legitimately kind of losing her mind at this. Uh this is delightful to her. <laughs> um she doesn't say anything. She's just quietly chuckling in a adult or fighting kind of way. Um Hey, uh look, I'm not great with kids, but have you like have you are you picked up swearing yet? Are you first of all, I'm no fucking kid, and second, yes, okay. obviously. Perfect, great, because I am not going to be able to to put a cap yeah, on I'm that. Not a I am going to swear like crazy. I'm you the second are, greatest thief in the world. You are definitely a kid. If okay, you're my right. if you're my daughter, you're a kid. Well, that's mean, just how, how time works. How old are you by, by years? If you don't mind us asking, I'm shut up years old. Yeah, all right. Uh, see, that does make you sound like a kid. If you'd said a number, mm-hmm. I might have argued for you as an adult. But fine, no I'm fine. Means fine. I'm fourteen. Okay, that's, that's an adult some places. I, I would say you're capable of at least apprenticing with the guild. Uh, at that point, I, I mean, was expected to either lead an army or flee to become a mercenary, and I made the choice. So you got to give some credit here to the Wait, aren't you, yeah, wouldn't you people? be a prince then? Like, aren't you a king? Well, I mean, I was a prince, and then they were trying to, I think, hollow me out to put an evil god inside me. So I had to run away. You want to talk then, about head hurting stuff here? Go ahead. And then I was a mercenary for a bit, and then I discovered my goddess and became a cleric. So I'm coming back, I got my cool god powers, and I'm ready to take back the family business and end whatever the fuck this mess is. He just points at zombies in all directions. <laughs> uh, and she kind of nods at that. that. That all makes sense to her. And she looks to you, Juniper, and she's like, all right, what's what's your deal? Well, I mean, it was kind of foretold that 
I would be the person to. Oh, to be know. clear, this is the head hurt stuff. So if you didn't want dimensions, you should no, back out. No, no. Look, I I want to know what I'm dealing with here. I mean, okay, that's what. Well, yeah. So you know, the universes are colliding, and and uh, we've got different worlds. You know, colliding. It's called the Great Collide, um, and it's that's really bad. Uh, so I was prophesied to either help it happen or stop it and figured out that it's actually kind of but my my role is to kind of help, you know, fix it. All right. So, well, we, you know, sorted out that, you know, the gods are kind of sorting some stuff out and we kind of have to deal with all of like the changes that have happened because people have come from like other places here and of making things bad and then we have like people from here who've been like going out and there's a couple of like really bad people that have been going like all over the place and just all right so you're basically saying like going back and forth and back and forth and weapons and armies and yeah okay people now and it's you're basically um, saying like if you had two eggs and you smash those eggs together it's bad for both eggs yeah, that's an excellent way of putting it. Oh my god, that before you're, like that. The, okay, you can. You honestly, if anything happens to him, you're in immediately to replace him in this. No, step, no, 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 not at all. Listen, uh, you said also. You talk about knowing what you're dealing with. You're not dealing with anything. We're taking you home to your no, mother. no, no, no. I'm dealing with with you guys. You guys are our our guests here uh, in this town. And also, um, last I checked. Uh, you know, you, you haven't been um, really playing much of a part around these parts. So, I, and after that, I mean, I I need to go win a Quinny. I heard about them. We weren't oh, supposed to hear about them. Yes, I do absolutely not. do. I do. I need to prove I'm the greatest thief that ever lived. That's what. You do know you, that like Quinny, like they're only named after him because of like the death thing. Yeah. I mean, it was great and Posthumous, all. Posthumous, like, you know. Yeah. Beefy, but like he, it, it got, he it, died. Okay, team. It's kind of hard to judge her for wanting to win a thiefy when Quinny's no, I whole, get it. Quinny's whole life was wanting to win a thiefy. Yeah, so you prove you're the best thief. You have to I, steal I just, one though. Winning one sucks. We got to steal one. Look, at least that's what I always imagined. And you can see she keeps like catching herself because she keeps trying to say like that's what Quinny would have done because clearly <laughs> she's been saying that to herself for years, and now she just is in that awkward position of like. Not wanting to say that, but having clearly built an entire ethos around the Quinny she imagined. Um, no, you're not. You're not doing any of that. You're gonna stay here. You're gonna live on a farm. Quinny, it's safe. Quinny, cool. yeah, that's I, a great I, idea. Like you did, right? I, I, I okay. don't know if you can tell her what to do. <laughs> Apparently, I can now because I she's my daughter. Okay, here's I mean, the thing. like, I gotta, I gotta logically have, maybe. I, I gotta take Quinny aside for a little chat because there's there's important things to talk about. King to privateer. Uh, if you guys just want to go a little bit ahead, we'll catch up and then we'll go meet the town behind the trees. Do okay. not let her out of your sight. She is admittedly extremely sneaky, and I'm a little bit proud. But that shit's dangerous, Ginny. So she was very Juniper. sneaky adult. That's and then she like hit. skips along next to you. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just like. So, Jenny, like, what makes you happy? <laughs> uh, I mean, stealing mostly. <laughs> the two of you just kind of yeah. water off chatting. All right, Quinny. So clearly you're having a day. And I'm not trying to, like, load crap onto the wagon you're dragging right now. So first of all, let me offer my help however I can. As a man 
I had a very bad father. So I can provide uh, negative examples you don't want to replicate. And maybe you could just be opposite dad to my dad. That could be good. As a god, I can only imagine how surprised you are with how your prayer worked out. But I work in mysterious oh. ways. So instead of Mirabelle, you, you have a daughter named Ginny. Yeah, have you figured out how you made this one made this one happen there? Yep, yep. Gods are Butt immortal, hammer. and time works for us differently. So apparently, I did this, or maybe it's that letter you burned. There's options, but uh, the third thing I wanted to talk to you as is uh, your king. I don't know if you've thought about this, but you're my chief privateer and closest friend. You've personally murdered planteers. You've waged war on a god. And you've made enemies across heaven and hell, all of whom know your name and know your reputation and link you with me. And now we're battling necromancers and mercenaries who have taken over this entire planet. If you leave your 14-year-old daughter here in a farm, which bad guy do you think gets her first? Because it's going to be a freaking race. I think none of them, because nobody knows that she's my daughter. She she talks she about spent how she, four, I know she spent fourteen years living her life, and no one's come for her yet. And we're going to keep it that way because she's safe here. That's the Quinny, that this is a only safe place been, for her. This was a safe place for me, and then I left. Yeah, yeah, but Quinny, you did leave, and now you're famous everywhere else. You realize you've only been a big deal for like a year, right? Like in yes. terms of geopolitics. I know. My life was took a real dive when I left my hometown. I was so, arrested. I lived in prison. I, I had I, to kill and steal to stay alive. It was not cool. For 13 years, you weren't a problem. And she got to be nobody living nowhere. For one year, you've become one of the arguably top 30 most important people on the planet. That means the <sighs> other 29, if they don't like you, and they fucking don't, and we include gods on this list... If they want to fuck with you, you have a weakness. Its name is Ginny. She's right there. You spent the last two years growing a fucking heart, and now the problem is they'll rip it out through your balls. You, at the end of this adventure, fucking need Ginny and Ginny's mom and anyone else you don't want to just, I don't know, get stomped by a fucking owl that sets them on fire to come live in our castle because that's the only place we know we can protect. You don't like that... You're going to upend You're right, the world. God, I, I hate it. I hate it. So I'm so mad. I'm fucking furious. You're right. God damn it. God damn it. This is when I don't like being a king, but I'm capable of this because I was trained by a psychopath. Maybe my dad did have value. Oh, I don't like that thought. Okay. I think this conversation's good. We're going too deep. But yes. So I will help you however I can with this. But whether or not she likes you, she's got to come back to the castle with us. Or it's bad that. for everybody. I get that. I I don't care what she thinks of me. Quinny lies. Uh and 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 I I yeah, I I think Can you can you roll right. a deception because Butthole is really trying to read you in this instant? Yeah. I'm going to roll an insight opposite it. Uh 6 deception is a 19. I'm a 23. Okay, I know you lied, but he's not going to comment on it. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't care what she thinks of me okay i i do want her to be safe though so yeah whatever it takes we will get her and hers and you know uh, everyone to the the castle and honestly if it's like you said 
and I've become a prominent figure in the world that a lot of bad people want to hurt. Nobody in this town is safe. Then the fucking town is named after me. We'd have to, we have to move everyone. Yeah. Everyone has to evacuate. We have to create, we'll have to do a whole fucking caravan and get everybody up to the fortress of forlorn hope. Yeah. Yeah. That's the most accurate way to describe this. All these people got to go. All right. So I guess that's the new mission is bring people and supplies. Yeah. We just cut the whole place back. Okay. So as the King, we'll sort that out. Uh, God tip though, as the butt hammer, I can only resurrect people if their heads are put together. So you really need to get Ginny a helmet. You need to get Ginny a helmet. Put a helmet on Ginny. Helmet and a neck. Just from the head to like mid shoulders, we got to lock that shit down for her because that's our high risk zone. I got to teach her how to duck. She dies below that. We're fine. She dies up. Don't problem. I I hate this. I fucking hate this conversation. (laughs) I don't like it either, but my powers are not limited. I'm leaving. Do not talk to me about my decapitated daughter. I'm leaving. I'm not. I'm trying to avoid. Fine. This guy. (laughs) Well, I guess this is reasonable. Moonhammer, you know how. Open Slack. Dear Moonhammer. (laughs) (laughs) Sends a frustrated gif. He's like, you do good and they still don't get it. I'm starting to understand why you dealt with me the way you dealt with me. Love, butthole. Uh, meanwhile, uh, you walk back to um, Juniper and uh, Ginny having like a really nice conversation. And Ginny's like, yeah, and I just – the freedom of only wearing a cowl means I can move my head in any direction. And I've just found that any additional armor or or uh, encumbrance just really prevents that. The peripheral vision, to that's so important mm-hmm, and being mm-hmm. able to move and spot – yeah, your opponents or just anything really quickly is it's a big advantage. Yeah. Okay, he, well, I'm glad I get you agree. it. I yeah. get it. Yeah. When he returns and winces at the mention of Ginny's head moving in any direction. Uh 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 we're back. Oh, hey, uh uh Quinny, uh your uh, your high, highness, your lord, chip, sir. King. Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually fine with that. I mean, Quinny and I are cool, so like we can worry if there's got to be a Your Highness if we're like I don't know meeting some sort of villain or a treaty thing. But other than that, I'm just butthole in this town. Oh, okay, cool. Well, uh, yeah, welcome back. Look, we're getting pretty close to the uh, the barrier. Um, yeah, and she turns to you, Quinny. She's like, "Are you ready for this?" No, let's go. <laughs> Dum-dums and dice would like to welcome you to the grand darkness of the 41st millennium. I am Inquisitor Caveat Ventus, keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and I'm releasing my report on the Valentine Heresy. It's an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40,000's Dark Heresy RPG. Join Ryan LaPlante as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, and Laura Elizabeth and Tyler Hewitt as Hivebred siblings Lyric and Alto, as this unlikely trio try to save the Emperor from a cabal of mysterious enemies in a series created by games master Tom McGee. Can these unlikely heroes survive in a galaxy where there is only war? Find out in the first episode of Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy. Available now. And sure enough, you approach a massive wall of trees um, that, uh, if you were to walk by, would just seem like sort of a a wooded area. Um, But knowing what you know, you can tell, particularly Juniper, I think, like one look at these, and you can tell that these are not living trees. These are 
sort of carefully preserved um, uh, trees forming this this barricade. Oh, they're not living. Oh, that's too bad. I mean, if they'd had you know several Juniper decades to let them loves grow. Topiary so much. Look, this is dude, kind of a you bummer. can make it. You can make it grow. They couldn't, so it's up to you. Um, Over eight hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, full of, uh, full of dismay at, uh, you know, this unfortunate necessity, um, you make your way, uh, sort of along, uh, the barrier, um, until, uh, Ginny finds kind of the spot she's looking for. Um, then she waves all of you over and, um, she actually, um, like starts trying to like push a tree, um, sort of in a circle, like twist it. Um, and as, uh, as she does, uh, you hear a click. And um, sort of through the trees, a little door swings open, a uh, halfling-sized door, of course. Um, and she says, uh, yeah, uh, sorry, this is probably going to be a bit of a tight tight fit for, for some of him. It's going to be a tight fit for you. Um, sorry. Uh, we kind of built it for us-sized folks. I'll, I'll crawl. We, we do what we got to do. Honestly, it's really ingenious, and I'm impressed by all the work. Uh, there is like a, the briefest little, like she had nothing to do with building this wall, but like there's a little like hometown grin. Um, and uh, she, you just hear her mutter to herself, like the king thinks we're cool. Um, and then she uh, she gets in there. Um, <laughs> and uh, as you you follow her through, um, it's, uh, it's a little bit like uh, how they show getting into Narnia, where it's like, you know, you're just kind of digging through trees uh, and slowly those trees start to kind of open up a little bit more. Um, it's generally, you know, you're covered in pine needles and other things. It's kind of uncomfortable, but then, um, suddenly you kind of basically fall out the other side, uh, into basically like, um, an animal crossing or Truman show scenario where you're just kind of in this fairly perfectly preserved rolling green hills. There's not a zombie in sight. The farms are active. Um, there's no signs of the, the destruction or decay that you've seen, um, elsewhere, um, and even uh, the air just smells a little bit cleaner because you aren't getting that faint aura of decay that uh, otherwise lingers uh, wherever the dead may roam. And uh, Queenie, uh, rolling out before you, uh, you see Cornucopia, the town of plenty. Um, as you'll recall, uh, the town is uh, largely farms. Um, so there's a lot of land within this this barrier. Um and a lot of the farms aren't, you know, directly downtown, but are kind of within sight of uh, the main um, town hall where the uh, the infamous barn dances occur. Um, stretching out before you, um, you can see kind of the town in the distance. Um, you recognize the inn um, that uh, Mirabelle's parents ran. Uh, you can see the small school, um, which mostly dealt in, um, of course, learning all, all the basics, but also um, specializing in... Uh, agriculture, um, small little doctor's uh, office is a strong term, but basically like the doctor's house where where uh, he uh, lives and works, um, a small church to Paylor, um, which is very much, again, in kind of a, a classic like wood wood farm farmhouse style church. Like it's not hugely impressive. It, it's just sort of small and quaint, but it gets the job done. Um, of course, the general store. Um, uh, the farm goods. Um, your parents um, own a farm, sort of past past the city. The Brown Barrow uh, farm is is a little ways out, but um, 
new to the town, um, even at this distance, uh, you can see uh, that in uh, the center of town, uh, there's a, a statue um, that is uh, relatively new by your, your taste. Um, also, Butthole and Juniper, were you there yet? I don't think you were. Um, Butthole, you would recognize this as uh, the landscape that you, Moonhammer, uh, and Bucky uh, and Alan saw in hell. Yeah, saw in hell. Um, of course, that was a more um, cartoonish version of it. The colors were all more vivid. Uh, it all felt a little bit oversaturated. The contrast was up a little too high. Uh, everything was a bit too uniform. Um, so it's interesting seeing kind of the reality of it here, where it is still very uh, bucolic and beautiful, just not as cartoony. So, Quinny, awkward question. Do you want to go to the town and announce yourself, or do you want to go talk to your parents first, because this is going to be a bit of a bombshell for them? I better go visit mom and dad, just so in case let's... we do a town square thing, and that's how they find out. That's They will. That's not how that's going to, how I want that to go, so. All right, uh, hoods up, everybody. <laughs> uh, let's. I mean, we're going to stand out no matter what, but we'll try. And he just like pulls back on his his cold weather clothing to just be like in a big cloak. Mm -hmm. You can certainly get started on the town square thing if you want. I got to go. Yeah, I go see my folks. I think the town will respond very favorably to you. So why don't we do this all together and then we can get them on side before anything else happens. All right. Uh, All right. I need a party stealth check um, for traipsing your giant selves through Hobbit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I'll take my ring off and flip it to butthole like a coin. You're like, put that on. Oh, whoa. Quiet now. Oh, sorry. Sorry. You're in, you, people can't see you. They can still hear you. And Ginny's eyes go wide and she goes, wait a minute, where'd he go? He's there. He's invisible. It's a ring of invisibility. What? Uh, there's a ring that can make you invisible? Yeah. A lot of. Here in our small halfling town? Brought by a magical person of some sort? I didn't know they could do that. That's amazing. Can it's I have my one? ring? I, I, it's no, I, I've got the one. That's, that's it. I got it from a friend, and I'm letting Butthole borrow it. You, you can't have it. It's very precious to him. Oh, a precious. Yeah. Okay. All right. You know, it's his precious. Yeah. Well, All right. Hey, second best thief. Let's keep it quiet and show me what you got. We're trying to sneak to Grandma Grandpa's house. I rolled and, a one. Yeah. And she nods to you and she says, okay, let's go. <laughs> and uh, the two of you begin skulking. Um, butthole, you continue to. But unfortunately, uh, Juniper, you rolled a one. Yeah. Um, what uh, what distracts you so much that uh, you actually like kind of wheel to a stop? Oh, I think it's just me. I like try to change into a halfling, but I've already changed into Dr. Martha today and I'd forgotten about it. And so I'm just like, suddenly it hurts. And I just say, as in a very old West mossy kind of way, ah, fuck that fucking hurt. But Um, just a little too loud. And the words just kind of echo out across the Valley and you can see townsfolk starting to uh, come out of uh, the, uh, the houses and kind of like stop what they're doing. Um, Quinny, Ginny, and Butthole, you're actually able to to kind of get to cover behind the church. Um, again, this is more of a skulking than like an actual stealth thing. Uh, but uh, Juniper, you are fully exposed. 
Um, and uh, you can see like um, a couple of people are starting to sort of like head towards you. What do you do? Uh, whoops. And I start like slow waving to everyone. <laughs> Juniper, I swear to God, if you fuck this up for me, <laughs> Quinny's just like muttering to himself yep. over at the, the corner. <laughs> All right. Well, now, now you got to move extra fast uh, because the cat may soon be out of the bag. So give me another stealth check, please. Um, this time, uh, not you, Juniper. Um, this time. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, uh, I'm just like muttering nothing to say here. <laughs> yeah. This time you're cutting uh, through the uh, uh, the uh, the Greybeards farm. Um, the Greybeards were one of your closest neighbors. Um, you guys got along fine, but in a lot of ways they were just like the neighbors who were kind of. It, it's just one of those things where it's like you, you guys are just on slightly different wavelengths, hmm. like so not unpleasant, but also not a warm uh, relationship. And I think this is probably a farm you track through a lot uh, okay. growing up. Um, and uh, Jenny's like, hey, are you sure you want to do this? I mean, uh, uh, Traven and Donnie, are, 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 they can be pretty mean about you know, people messing up their their farm. Little Draven and Donnie? Yeah. yeah. not going to be a problem. Okay, man. Um, and uh, let's see what those stealth checks are, please. 27. <laughs> uh, 15, because my advantage balances out my disadvantage. Great. Um, Walking okay. through a field. So, um, yeah, the uh, the checks all uh, her check passes as well, uh, given that she can move without sound. <laughs> um, you make <laughs> your way across, and um, you hear um, a clanking noise as you approach uh, the farmstead, and um, you just see um, these two just fucking ripped halflings. Um, and, uh, Don, he's like, come on, Draven, two more, two more. And you just see him like pumping, uh, iron. And these guys <laughs> are, are jacked. Um, there's a reason this field is so well plowed. They are, uh, they are very fit, uh, uh, halflings. They're old, but they are, they are fit. Um, well, not old. I mean, I guess they're your age. Yeah. So, like, you know, old, like, they're old to Ginny. <laughs> it's like, I never left. It's like, they were, they were out in the field pumping when I was on my last day here. Like they never yeah. stopped. No, I don't think they did. Yeah, that's it's honestly going to be a problem. Just keep quiet, and we'll go around them. All right, you're world's greatest thief. Um, so you make your way around, uh, and uh, finally, Quinny, you, you set eyes on uh, the Brown Barrel Farm um, as uh, the three of you uh, quickly make your way towards it. Uh, Juniper. You, meanwhile, uh, are being greeted by uh, the townsfolk of Quinton. Um, <laughs> a, uh, a doctor um, is uh, is kind of out in front, um, and uh, you know he's uh, he's walking um, with a uh, with a walking stick. Uh, he's just classic, like small town old man doctor, um, and uh, sort of adjusting his glasses. Um, and uh, as he approaches, he he, he kind of waves to you, but also notices that you're you're very clearly an outsider. So he kind of like slows to a stop. Uh, and some of the kids from the school are kind of like peeking out through windows. Um, you can see that uh, the uh, the priest of the um, the small uh, temple of Pelor is like out in front as well. Um, and there's sort of just a weird mix of like incredibly hospitable people also knowing that they're in an incredibly dangerous world right now. 
um, and they're kind of keeping their distance. Um, what do you do to either uh, show them that you're you're not a threat or to keep them at bay until Quinny can talk to his parents? Um, uh, Juniper will, she'll, she'll draw her sword and she'll kind of bend down and set it on the ground in front of her. Okay. Um, as a kind of, and just kind of like back away a little bit and, and say, ha, ha, hello, new friends. Can you roll me a persuasion check? Sure. Uh, 19. Um, you can see the, the doctor and the priest kind of look to each other and there's a, there's a, a classic, like, if this is how we go down, it's worth it. Smile and nod, um, as the old man, uh, begins kind of, uh, walking out, uh, towards you, um, with a brave welcoming smile on his face. Um, and, uh, he is rapidly approaching, um, Quinny, Butthole, uh, Ginny and Goblin Jr., you arrive at the Brown Barrel Farm. And uh, Ginny just kind of looks to you, Quinny, and says, be, be careful with them, okay? I will. Um, yeah, can you guys all just wait out here? While I uh, do this thing? Yes. Yeah, sure. I thought I wasn't supposed to talk. Sorry, I'm confused. Oh, my God. I'm over here. I can see. I, I can ah. see him with my, with my uh, eye of true sight. So it's like, yeah, it's like he never left. But like, yes, okay, yes. Ginny is still consistently shocked anytime he talks, and is like, "Butthole, I think like looking at you as though you are the most magical person she's ever met. Like, for the first time, someone really respects your stealth um, in a in a kind of unique way." Um, but she says, "Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll obviously we we'll, we'll stay out here." I don't want to be in there for this. Ew. Yeah, if you, right. if you don't want me in there, I, w- I won't go. But if you need me to, like, back up your story or whatever as a character witness, I'll be out here. All right, thanks. Uh, wish me luck. <laughs> it's not funny. Okay, it's not a joke. Uh, and I, I'll, like, <laughs> knock knock on the door, I guess. That what feels does, weird. Uh, but... What does the farm look like? Like, what, what does this, this door and house situation look like from the outside? It's... Uh, pretty modest it's it's one floor there's no like second story or anything like that so it's sprawled out a little bit um uh, uh there's a uh, a pen off to the left side where i mean to quinny's memory there were two pigs but now it looks like there's four so good for them i guess um and uh uh other than that uh it's uh fields of uh i think i've said it before i think it's pumpkins i think yes like yeah Yeah. i think the the brown barrel specifically dealt in farming pumpkins maintaining a a pristine pumpkin patch um and so that's that's what everything else is so kind of around the house there's like other kind of tools for tending that sort of farm so there's uh a rake for just like kind of clearing it and things like that and watering cans and stuff like that uh and maybe a little uh I don't think they'd have their own well, so, but, but like buckets for carrying water, just kind of like tools kept outside under like, there's like an awning to kind of keep them out of the, the worst of the elements. Um, but that's where the tools are kind of like leaning up against the, the side of this, this house, this one story farmhouse. Cool. Um, 
so you knock uh, on on the door, and it uh, it sounds much louder than it is. Um, but uh, make the knock, and uh, you hear a little bit of commotion inside, which you remember from it being such a small, uh, such a small place. Anyone trying to move quickly, you know, you're kind of banging into stuff and, and having to like move stools around and, and chairs mm-hmm. and bumping into tables. Um, and, uh, you kind of hear like, um, sort of the telltale mumblings of someone saying that they're on their way. Um, and, uh, your mother opens the door without really looking at you just in that classic, like she's clearly very busy. Um, she's been kind of like reshaping, um, uh, one of the, uh, the hose that that's needed. So she's got like a heavy smock on and is like holding a metal hammer, um, and she kind of like stows it in her tool belt, uh, and uh, she she turns to look at you. Uh, what does she look like? Um, she uh, she's got very tanned, kind of leathery skin now. I think like a, like the, the, like the sun really kind of accentuating her features that show her age. So she's got you know crow's feet and kind of wrinkles around creases around her mouth and things like that and her and her hair is kind of gone gray but she keeps it up up high in a in a bun kind of like uh uh very sort of quickly and haphazardly managed to just keep her hair out of her mm-hmm. face um <clears throat> and her and her hands are are they show like the coarseness of not not only like a lifetime of farming but like farming up to this day kind of thing like mm, still mm-hmm. hands that still do uh hard hard work um she's got on uh like mud boots mm-hmm. and uh a uh a dress that has like a faded kind of floral pattern obviously again kind of worn out in the sun so much that the the coloring in it is 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 faded um and uh yeah what are your parents names my mom's name is um uh Winnie. penelope penelope's oh, good winnie <laughs> <laughs> and your dad's name uh ford ford yep yep great um so uh penny brownbarrow uh swings open the door um and uh as penelope kind of wipes her hands uh often on uh her smock um, she just, uh, she kind of looks up and her eyes meet yours. And, uh, there's just a, a moment of, of confusion. Um, but it only lasts a moment, um, before, um, all the signs of, of age and, and weathered, you know, nature of, of hard work, uh, seem to disappear with just, um, a radiant smile. Um, and she bursts into tears and she just cries out as loud as she can. Oh, Fordy, Fordy, our queenie's come home. Um, and she throws her arms around you. Uh, and for a hot second, it's as though you never left. This episode of Dum Dums and Dragons features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Laura Elizabeth at EL Hamstring on Twitter, and our DM Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and Dum Dums and Dragons logo is by Decapitated Markers at Decapitated Marker on Twitter. Our theme songs are And Now for That Massive Coronary and Skipping Through the Orchestra Pit Part 1 by Peter Gresser, and our ad music is No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J A H Z Z A R. 
all available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. But most importantly, we've got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice, or you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. And tune in next week for more Dum Dums and Dragons. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. The Half-Blind Prophet, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, Lord Abradovic, Orion Birchfield, Scott Garland, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Cade Peters, Richard Cranium, Anna Zed, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Acrix, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. <laughs>